The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery online radio show on the Unity Media Network. My name is Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, and I am your new host for this show. So Spirit of Recovery is where we talk about that place that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth and your recovery journey. According to recent research, over 46% of the American public has a family member or friend that struggles with an addiction issue. So this program is open to everyone and anyone whose life is touched by addiction. Addicts, alcoholics, family members, friends, co-workers, everybody's welcome. So our goal is to carry the message of spirituality and recovery, to explore the many faces of spirituality through the experiences of and lessons learned by those who have taken this journey. You'll probably hear a few things you already know, but you may also get some new ideas and information new perspectives, and maybe even some tips that you can put to practical use in your own journey. We think you'll probably deepen your spiritual walk in recovery as a result of that. So we want to say thank you to everybody that's joining us today for our show that's titled, That's Nice, But Does It Work? How many of us have thought that? A lifetime of apathy to spiritual traditions left our guest today agnostic and disconnected. And even after finding spiritual principles at a local unity church that resonated with him, our guest, Dan Beckett, still felt something was missing. So, after he went on a search and discovered spiritual prosperity teachings, he received a wake-up call that led him into 12-step recovery. So, today, Reverend Dan Beckett joins us to talk about this uh, this journey that he's on. Thank you, Dan, for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So Dan is a husband, a father, a business owner, a certified firewalking instructor, and a master prosperity teacher. He is uh, a minister, and he teaches Bible and theology at Unity's seminary program. So Dan, how did you get from agnostic and disconnected (laughs) to this place where you're an ordained minister? Oh, man. I'm going to have to quote... uh the famous song, What a Long, Strange Trip It's Been. Uh-huh. And uh, and it still continues to be. And, and you know, I think back about uh, my life sort of pre-spirituality, pre-recovery, and what I remember about it most poignantly was this distinct feeling that anything that I needed to um, do or, or have or accomplish, anything I wanted, I had to go out and do it. So it was a very uh, lonely kind of approach to life. And, you know, at that time, as, as far as I knew, it was working fine. I mean, I was I was successful in the world, and things seemed okay. You know, I, I had found whatever ways of dealing with whatever kinds of emotional discomfort, you know, just the regular anxiety we all have over a, a meeting or a project or whatever and was completely unaware that there were things brewing in me that were going to lead to some big changes. So you were just uh, doing your deal, having your life, having a good time, so you thought, and something caused you to go on this search where you landed in a Unity Church. Yes. 
So that uh, is in conjunction with the move that we made, uh, my wife and kids and I. Uh, in 2003, my wife Heather and our three young, very young at the time, one, three, and five-year-old children um, decided to move from central Michigan, where we had met and uh, been living, down to North Carolina near Asheville. I had family in Western North Carolina and had just uh, taken advantage of a business opportunity that let me basically do what I was doing professionally, which was software development, from anywhere that I wanted. And we thought, oh, well, where do we want to be? Well, we want to be in North Carolina. We'd visited many times, been going to the beach every summer in North Carolina. My parents lived here. We had really strong and warm feelings about the area, so we came down here. And what I discovered about the South that I didn't know is that people will say things to you like, have you found a church yet? And I couldn't believe what I was hearing. You know, I heard that from the city inspector who came out to inspect some plumbing we had done in our first house. And I thought, okay, this is, uh, this is different. Now, I've heard talk about the Bible Belt, but now I'm really beginning to see this. But that, you know, that in itself didn't mean anything to me. But... My wife, who is a hospice nurse, um, was working at the local hospice and made some friends there. And one of her friends kept telling her about this church that was different. I'm doing air quotes. That was different. And she would mention it, and I'd think, okay, you know, thought maybe she was going a little churchy in the head. Uh, but after a while, she said, I, I, she went, and she said, I really think that you should check this out. And just based on that, on her knowing me, and then been hearing about it, I thought, fine, okay, fine, I'll go. I'll go to the weirdo, whatever it is that you're doing. So that's when I first walked into a Unity Church. And that day, I remember where I sat. I don't remember exactly what was said, but I remember hearing things I had never heard about Jesus and the Bible and spiritual path and it all just made a lot of sense to me. And I felt like, man, where have these people been and where have I been all my life? I walked out of there thinking, I need to hear more about this. I was mm -hmm. super curious. Where did these ideas come from? Uh, how are these principles tied to the Bible, which I had never paid any attention to? And I was kind of hooked at that point. So that was the strange path from being apathetic, I, I said I would have been agnostic if I I would have been agnostic if I cared enough to think about it, but I didn't even care that much about spiritual things. But that's what first began to open my eyes was that first Unity Church. So what what kind of an idea made sense to you at that point that that really kind of hooked you? Because you know from the mm -hmm. external things that you just said, Jesus and Bible and churchy and things like that, why was that different than any other place? Yeah, that's a really good question, and I've thought about that recently. And actually, uh, I've, I've been on the path long enough, I'm having some trouble remembering exactly what it is. But I know the feel. I know what kinds of things it was. The messages that I was hearing were very much, uh, they were very personal. They were very here and now oriented. And they were very much oriented towards a spiritual way of living that I hadn't really heard that much about before. Now, when I had heard about church and when I went, you know, when I was a kid, and it was sort of, you know, I just sort of heard the kinds of things that uh, get said, I think, in churches, but n there was no, like, personal connection for me. I didn't get it. I heard what people were saying. Well, you know, some of it made sense. A lot of it, I was like, you know, I don't know. It doesn't really why are we talking about this? I just didn't get it. But when I walked into the Unity Church, I think because it's an inner path, it's an overtly spiritual path, much more so than religious, and I differentiate the two, spirituality from religion. I am both. We hear about uh, people who are spiritual but not religious. I like to joke I'm spiritual and yet religious at the same time. Um, and so I think that was it. It was the deeply personal nature of it. It was the, it was the focus on the here and now. Okay. 
So you shared with me in a conversation previously that you were struggling with um, with your uh, addiction at that point. And um, did you find what you needed there in the, at well, that point in your life? That, that very, those very first experiences in church were before I was aware that I was carrying an addiction. Uh, it took a few years for that realization to begin to take hold. In fact, uh, what we did from that point forward was begin to attend that Unity Church regularly. And uh, my minister was Chad O'Shea. Anyone that knows Chad, he, you, you don't forget him. Right? So there's two kind of people in the world. When I ask him if they know Chad, people that say, oh, I don't think I know him, and people that say, oh, yes. I know Chad. So we went there for probably two or three years, and you know I really enjoyed it, and I was sort of soaking it in. But I wasn't participating. This is where hindsight is twenty twenty. I wasn't participating. I was just sort of showing up on a Sunday, taking in what was going on, and then leaving. And so you know, when I do that, if I don't get engaged, then it stuff starts to get old after a while, and we kind of began to fade away. And really didn't go for 18 months or uh, maybe even two years. And that period of time, sort of the contrast between the principles I had been learning, the community I had been in, even though I wasn't involved and engaged in, I had been part of it in a way. Um, And then to go to a period of time with none of that, that contrast really began to be clear to me after a couple of years, and that was around the time when I realized something is not right. Now, I didn't realize that it was an alcohol addiction. I read it as a a lack of spirituality. I had found something and learned and felt something that when it was gone for long enough, I knew something was missing. And so that is when, when I think back, that's sort of the turning point where um, the spiritual principles that I had been hearing about and, you know, practicing to some extent, when they were absent, I felt like that that's the, the spirit in me sort of started to shine through that gap, if you will. And that's when I began a more purposeful search for spiritual principles. Mm-hmm. So one of the one of the first principles in the twelve uh, step programs have, are based on faith, and that's also one of the very basic tenets in anybody's faith journey. So, if if you were still struggling at that point, did you have a faith basis of some type? Well, I think I was developing it, but I think it really didn't get. Um, you know, it really didn't get anchored until I had uh, started down the path of um, spiritual prosperity principles, because those really resonated with me as a, um, you know, my my primary path to God, if you will, is kind of a creativity and abundance sort of path. And so when I began to encounter spiritually grounded prosperity principles, that really spoke to me. And I did that right after that period of time where I I described a a couple of years fading away, something's missing, you know, I'm kind of idea-oriented, I'm kind of bookish, and so I went, as uh, we talked about, searching for God on Amazon.com. And I found a book there, uh, turns out by a Unity minister named Edwin Gaines. And I didn't realize when I was ordering it that I had a connection with this person through unity. But after I received it, I distinctly remember, I know where I was standing. I actually got the CD, the audio book version, which at that time was on CDs. And I'm looking at the package and on the back of the package, down the corner is a picture of the author. And I'm staring at that picture. I'm thinking, wait a second. I know this lady. She had spoken at our unity church, maybe three or four years prior. And I was really excited then because not only had I done my searching on Amazon and I'd arrived at this book and I read the blurb and I'm like, yeah, this feels right to me. I then discover 
I've been in the same room with this woman. I've heard some of her stories. She's an electric speaker. And so I was very eager to dive into the material, which I did. And I listened to that um, book on CD. As it happens, the day I received it, I got in a car and I drove from Asheville to Cincinnati because I had a business meeting the next day. So I listened to the entire book, six hours, all the way to Cincinnati, and I listened to it again all the way back. And then I kind of had it in rotation after that for a long time. So that that was kind of a wake-up call. And if, if you, uh, people that know Ed Wein, if she's good at anything and she's good at many things, one thing she's really good at is waking people up. You, you will not come out of uh, a workshop or a, a talk of hers and not have something inside you uh, shaken. She's really that powerful and, and electric a speaker. That was my experience with her. But when you heard her a couple years prior at your church, you were aware she was a good speaker and all, but didn't have that wake up at that point? Yeah, I mean, she told great stories, and I remember them. But, you know, at that time when I was going to church, it was just sort of I show up, see what's going on, you know, enjoy the atmosphere and leave. Uh, I, I was not engaged. I wasn't participating. I certainly wasn't putting energy into the community. I was just kind of showing up. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people begin in church that way. I know I certainly did. And, I, you know, I see people in other churches who I you know, suspect are probably doing the same thing. And that's fine because that served an important purpose on my path. That was sort of the primer. You know, that's what that's what opened the door that I walked through. I like to say Reverend Chad was holding the door open and I walked through it. And that, you know, began to lead to more and more in different places by a very circuitous path, you know, mm-hmm. that led, like I said, I, I left the church and then, rediscovered through uh, Edwin's book on CD, These Prosperity Principles. What I did next from there is um, I, of course, Googled her, uh, found out that she has a retreat center in northeast Alabama that was not very far from where I live. It's a five-hour drive. And I remember telling Heather, I have got to go see what is going on with this lady at these retreats. It just seemed like something I wanted to dive into, so I did. And that's what um, that's what began to anchor those principles was the weekend retreats. So you you really became enticed by the um, by the prosperity principles. Yes. Were you at a place um, in your life that that was of more than just casual interest, or was there something about those teachings in particular that captured you? I think that. Just for me at that time, it was a connection, it was a bridge, if you will, between the spirituality that I had begun to encounter and begun to take in, and my own uh, just ambitions in life. I've I've always been someone uh, willing to take calculated risks and to dream big and to take action toward goals. And I had done well uh, in life and in, in my um, career, my technical career, and, and, and ended up uh, owning the small software company. And so I was adept at that kind of creativity and abundance thing, but it didn't have anything to do with spirituality. But what I was hearing from the prosperity training was deep, deep roots, deep spiritual roots that can underlie the kinds of things that I was attracted to already. And so so it created this whole new dimension to the kinds of creative, abundance-oriented um, activities I had been doing. I didn't, wouldn't even have used the word abundance. That's something I picked up from the prosperity training. And it put a, some a very solid, what felt like a very solid spiritual footing under it. So for me, at the time, it was a perfect combination. And I really uh, dove into that and and stayed on that path for several years, um, attending, I would attend these weekend retreats that Edwin does, um, I don't know, maybe three or four times a year. And it was during that time, I mean, if if we circle back to the recovery, so this whole time, I mean, I still have a, a significant alcohol addiction that I'm unaware of 
which always sounds weird, except anyone who's been there understands that uh, <laughs> I, of course, I'm the last one <laughs> to see what's going on. Um, but that really began to come to light. And my, my spiritual understanding of that, sort of my inner experience, is that I got serious about practicing spiritual principles. Now that I had a focus that made sense to me, I got serious about practicing them uh, with with uh, becoming a giving person, starting with the practice of tithing, for example, and, and setting goals and actively uh, doing forgiveness work. I was doing all of those things, and it became very clear to me I have a big, there's a big boulder in the middle of my path, and it is alcohol. So my eyes have, began to open through that process that I, even I realized uh, this is not sustainable. This is not good. Uh, this is not going to work long-term, meaning the, the amount that I was drinking daily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard other people talk about hitting a spiritual wall because of their addiction. That, um, yeah. you know, that that's, that's, it's like they just hit this brick wall and they can't move forward even doing the practices and such and the other thing that i was thinking about is that you know we we're talking about faith what you had faith in and and many times we have faith in our addiction to solve our problems for us and and you know faith in the substance to keep our pain at bay and and you know um I know that also there's a, uh, if you want to think of it this way, faith in not enough. You know, there's not enough in the world. There's never going to be enough. And how can I get my share and all of that? So how did all that play in together at this point in your journey? Well, I think that um, what began to happen was a shift in the focus of my faith. Because I I agree uh, that... I had at that time a strong, but a, a, you know, a faith I was unaware of, and that, of course, would have been an odd word for me to use faith in alcohol as a solution. But that was my fallback. That was my go-to. That was my coping mechanism. That's how I dealt with um, just being in the world as an introvert. It was, it was difficult for me just to be in the world. I remember distinctly, and I carried this idea for years, I needed like an extra day in the week. I needed an eight-day week so that I could just have that eighth day to do nothing but recover from having to be out in the world for the previous seven days. But, of course, life doesn't work that way, and so I was always in this um, spiritual-emotional deficit, you know, feeling kind of overrun, as many introverts can, you know, before we learn uh, how to find our center and how to practice the kinds of self-care that are important for uh, for introverts. And so um, that con- so those experiences uh, from Ed Weems that were sort of pulling me forward, you know, in, in a sense, uh, spirit was pulling me forward, and I hit that wall that you described. And I began to see that if I was going to continue on this path, and I was most certainly dedicated to continuing, that the alcohol had, I had begun to see that it was not a support, it was an impediment. And I had never seen that before. And I remember even uh, during that time, so I got sober in July of 2010, um, in, the, in the first part of that year, I was still doing these retreats, and Edwin has a thing that she calls Master Prosperity Training, because one, of, one important part of her mission in the world is to teach other people to do what she does, to teach mm-hmm. other people to go out and teach these uh, principles to help others kind of uh, wake up to their own spiritual paths. And I remember, and it was in April, and I remember thinking, God, I really want to take that. And, and there was this thing inside me that said, no, uh, not, you know, not now. This would have been in, you know, coming up on April 2009. Uh, now is not the time, and I'm so glad that I didn't attempt to undertake that training while I was still drinking at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm sorry. I said missaid the year. That was 2010, April 2010. So a few months before I was going to get sober, I had no idea. I did not see that coming. You know, things got things got bad really, really quickly in mm-hmm. June and July of that year. So in April, 
I had enough sense to know this is not my time to do this intensive training. And I'm really glad that I didn't because my mind was not clear at that time. I didn't know that, but, you know, I had this little inkling, this little, you know, shoulder angel or however we might think of it that said, no, this isn't, uh, this isn't your time. And I was kind of disappointed. Um, but I, so I did not sign up for the intensive five day, uh, master prosperity training. And I continued on just, on, and then I hit that, you know, final wall. I hit my bottom with my addiction, um, mm-hmm. early in July. So not that much, uh, later. And that, you know, was a whole other thing. Landed myself in uh, in the hospital, uh, found myself next in rehab, and just began that whole process of recrafting my relationship with the world and with everyone in it, including myself and with God as I understand God, um, starting in July of 2010. And I credit that work that I had done through those uh, prosperity workshops that had, you know, its roots in attending church, which had its roots back to Heather's friend at work, Becky, whom I have reminded, though I don't need to remind her because she knows. I said, you know, you're the reason that I got on this path. She was the one telling Heather about this wonderful church. It's really cool kind of to look back on it in that way. But that sort of brings us up to, boom, you know, day one of sobriety in uh, July of 2010. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've uh, my own experience is not similar to yours in the actual steps of the journey, but it is similar in that, you know, I was engaged in a recovery process, if you will, um, mm-hmm. I'd hit a wall, not uh, not able to go on with my life, knew I had to do something different, and was continuing to be active in my addiction for about a year before I hit that place you just described, where I yeah. knew in the depths of my soul that mm-hmm. something had to change, you know, yeah. and it wasn't that I wasn't trying prior to that, but it, it you know, you're not ready till you're ready, is what I've heard. That's right. And it's a deep shift. You know, it's yes. not something that happens casually, uh, in my experience. It's mm-hmm. something that I think there are layers to it. You know, things, layers that need to be uncovered, if you will, or experiences had before we can kind of finally get to that, the core truth of the matter. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, what you're describing, and that was my experience as well. <sighs> So you became, um, you got, well, you you hit this wall and you got into the hospital and rehab. And um, what was your what was your relationship with with your church at that point in time? Did you switch paths? No, you know what? One thing, another way that the prosperity workshops were really helpful is that got me reengaged in the church community because I had answered the call, uh, if you will, to take up these principles that I had so intrigued and helped me and to teach them to other people. And so it was a natural community there in the Unity Church to go back and to teach them. And that, so that sort of ended that roughly, um, I don't know, two-ish year hiatus uh, where we had stopped attending. So when I got involved with the prosperity teaching, this even before I got sober, when I got involved with the prosperity teaching, I went back and did, and, you know, said to Reverend Chad, hey, I'd love to do some workshops, and he was interested in that, and we sat and talked what might that look like, and I and I began to do some uh, teaching there in the church at that time. So, in a way, the, the uh, prosperity path led me back to the community, but in a new and engaged manner. And in fact, um, after I got sober and I had continued then to be a presence at the church, sort of round two of my church presence, but as, uh, you know, someone who was clearly interested in this path, someone that was engaging others, I mean, none of this was going on in my first uh, experience with the church. And, you know, I got on people's radar. I was asked to uh 
to uh, stand for a board position, which I did. And so that, that missing piece previously about not getting engaged, that shifted completely as well. And I did get engaged at the church, you know, starting before I got sober and then continuing um, after I got sober, leading up to uh, when I felt the call to um, the pulpit or to a, a clergy and uh, moved on to Unity Institute and Seminary, um, I was involved in the church um, all through that time. Well, Dan, it's, it is a circuitous type of a, of a journey that you've been on, and I want yeah. to uh, uh, pause at this point because um, it's time for a short break, and so when we come back, we'll start with the Serenity Minute, which is a brief moment just of positive thought, and then we'll continue talking if we can pick up at that place uh, that you just described when we come back. Yeah. Stay with us. That sounds All right. Great. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. Did you know you can reach Unity's 24-7 prayer ministry online? You don't even have to give your name to know the prayers have begun for you or those you love. Someone has been praying around the clock at Silent Unity since 1890, and every request is taken into prayer for 30 days. Why not let us pray with you, too? To submit your prayer request to Silent Unity online, go to unity.org and click on prayer, or call 1-800-NOW-PRAY. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. So welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're here with us today. And if you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, your new host. And our topic today is, that's nice, but does it work? With our guest, Dan Beckett. But before we continue our conversation, please join me as we take a moment to center ourselves in this quiet place in mind in a serenity minute. And so I invite you to relax and join me in focusing on this constructive idea as we allow ourselves to be open and refreshed by that power within. Our idea for today is, I step forward in faith and my life is blessed. Let's just take a moment.
I step forward in faith, and my life is blessed. Thank you for joining me in this Serenity Minute. So, Dan, as we resume our conversation, before the break, you were talking about your call to ministry and um, coming into seminary. Had you planned on that? No, I didn't plan on any of this. I, I love your statement about faith there. And uh, yes, my life is blessed, and I have to add that my life is completely transformed. I mean, it is a night and day transformation that I have experienced in life uh, by shifting my whole way of being in the world from sort of a um, isolated, me-oriented approach to things to a faith based and a spirit based and a community based approach to things. And no, I did not see uh that coming, the the call to ministry. It it certainly showed up in me uh first as a you know, small kind of a spark of an idea in the back of my mind, a strange little idea that I thought, oh, isn't that weird? Why is that coming up? You know, that's not me. That doesn't make any sense. And that idea grew over time. And I think that um, my willingness to be honest and and engage that idea, we'll just say that. I hadn't even answered it yet. I uh, couldn't answer it until I had been willing to engage it, um, was something I was able to do because I had uh, begun to learn how to live my life, how to manage my life uh, on a faith basis on based on principles I had picked up in unity and also, of course, in, in recovery, which is itself a spiritual-based program. So you had not been in recovery very long when you um, were called into ministry. That's true. Um, when I began seminary, so my... Again, my wife Heather and our three kids, we moved from Western North Carolina to Kansas City in the summer of 2013, almost exactly three years after I'd gotten sober. And um, I know now, I didn't know then that, you know, my mind was still healing. I was, you know, I might have been firing on five out of six cylinders, but, you know, so I was doing okay, but um, things were continuing to heal and to open up. And so my journey in seminary, and, and I think this is true for everyone, and regardless of whether one is in uh, recovery or has any kind of experience with addiction or not, my experience in seminary was a deep transformation that allowed me to take um, what I now see as the beginnings of my way of living by faith and anchor it and make it genuinely the very center of who I am. Today, everything that I do in my life is centered around uh, knowing um, of God as I understand God, and, and that is my own understanding, my own creation, if you will, or interpretation, uh, better word, for my experience with the divine um, to center everything that I do around that. And one thing that we didn't touch on that I would like to is... Uh, cycling back to my firewalking practice. Mm -hmm. When when I was um, spending those weekend retreats with Edwin, she would often have a firewalk at the at, on Sunday evening. And that when I first heard about that, that was the weirdest I had no words to describe how that was like planet Mars stuff for me. We're gonna do what? Why would you do that? What are you talking about? I didn't understand it, but I was like, man, I've got to see this. And so those experiences with firewalking were, for me, that is the thing that helped me to deeply anchor um, my sense of faith and, and begin that process of making it the very center of how I engage the world. Because, I mean, we're talking about walking just I'll describe what is fire walking. Fire walking is the practice of walking barefoot on red hot coals. Uh, why would you do this? Uh, <laughs> you would do this because it is a visceral experience. And 
an opportunity that completely unforgettable. It will change your life to step out in faith, knowing because you have checked within and asked, can I walk on fire this evening and not be burned? Is this mine to do? Do I even want to do this? And if I am feeling, um, the, you know, an affirmative feeling, and everyone's guidance is different, and mine is a, it's a bodily feel. It's not a voice. I don't see, um, you know, it's not a visual thing. It, it's an internal, uh, visceral experience of joy. And when I was uh, walking in circles around this fire as we do a chant and uh, asking myself these questions, trying to discern, you know, how am I going to know if this is okay for me to do? This seems insane. And I, I did. I asked those three questions within, and I got a distinct feeling of joy that just began, uh, uh, you know, deep in, in my stomach and sort of radiated out through my whole body. I'm like, oh, okay, if, if that's not an affirmative answer, I don't know what is. And so I took that as an affirmative response that I can do this and be okay. And that's kind of step one. Uh, step two is that you have to actually walk up to this bed of red hot coals, take a breath, and take a step and put your foot down on them. And I, when I did that, just decades of fear and um, anything that was keeping me from being engaged in life just disappeared in an instant. It is the, it is the wildest experience I've ever had. It's kind of like if you picture a brick wall uh, and you walk up to the brick wall and your nose is one inch from the brick wall and someone is telling you, hey, you know, you can walk through this brick wall if you want to, and you're thinking what any person would think. Yeah, right. What are you talking about? And you sort of reach out and touch it, and it bursts like a soap bubble. It's gone. It was never even there. It was something that was in me that was blocking me. There was nothing preventing me from walking barefoot on hot coals safely. And I did it that night, and I was completely transformed by that experience. You know, it planted seeds that continue to grow to this time. And I was so lit up by this practice, and I continued to do it, that I went out to California uh, in 2014 and got certified in firewalking by Tolly Birkin, the founder of the firewalking movement in the United States. I was trained and certified, and I have now gone on to lead others in firewalking workshops, and I absolutely love doing that. The, the amount of transformation that can happen in a single evening, is it's just astonishing. I've never seen anything like it. And so that was a really important connecting piece for me to, as, we, as you asked in your title, that's nice, but does it work? Does faith work? Well, I'll tell you that when I set my barefoot down on hot coals and walk across them and not get burned, hell yeah, it works. And I know that it works. And I can feel it in my body and everywhere through my whole being that it works. I know that it works. And so that was the connecting piece that allowed me to take um, my walk of faith just, you know, as deep as can be in my being. You know, I think before that, uh, I was certainly doing it and working with it, but it wasn't anchored like it was when I'd had those um, visceral, physical experiences that were based on, on faith and were so powerfully transforming. Mm-hmm. You know, I think everybody has something different. I mean, backing up just a little bit, some people might be thinking about um, dealing with their addiction and going, oh, my God, I don't want to be a minister. You know, I, why right. would I want to do that? And other people might yeah. be saying, if I have to walk on coals to prove that I have faith, why would I want to do that? And so, yeah. you know, so I, I think that it bears uh, mentioning that everybody's experience of this faith, as we understand faith, um, is different. Absolutely. And, and I th- I'm really glad you said that because it's not the, <clears throat> the particular practices 
that I came upon that spoke to me and worked for me. It's not about those particular practices. It's not about prosperity uh, teachings or spiritual prosperity teachings. It's not about firewalking. It's about listening for that still small voice inside you that is calling to you for what your things are. Now, those were my things, but there's a voice in each and every one of us that is calling us forward um, toward whatever it is that is going to be transformational for us, just as those particular activities were transformational for me. So, yeah, it is different for each person. That is absolutely true. So out of all of these places that you've been in this wandering journey that you've taken, where do you sit today? Well, it, it continues to unfold. I, I learned somewhere along the line that you're never done. And that was an idea that I didn't like. I like being done. As an, as an introvert who had uh, trouble being in the world, if I was going to do something, uh, I needed to know when it was going to be finished. And so th- this path of spiritual growth, whether it's recovery or not, uh, it's particularly poignant for me because it is the path of recovery in faith and spirit, um, is an ongoing thing. And when I first encountered that idea, I didn't really like it. I kind of wanted to know, you know, when, when am I going to be done with this deal? When, you know, when am I going to come out on the other side? And what happened for me is just slowly over time, from spending time with others who were in recovery, you know, with a 12-step community, in addition to my unity, uh, unity spiritual um, community, uh, kind of on two tracks there, um, realized that there, it, there's nothing that needs to be gotten the other side of. The, the whole question shifted in my mind. The whole idea that there was something I needed to get through or get done or get to the other side of just went away. And I realized there's nothing I need to get done. There's nothing I need to be on the other side of. And so the the path itself became the focus of my life, not, you know, can I peek ahead and see the finish line. Uh, that That faded away when I realized that just living each day at a time, you know, keeping my head where my feet are, uh, living a life of faith, engaged in whatever was in front of me in that moment, you know, and as we go through our day, there's a myriad of things that are are put in our attention, and we make choices. And what, so whatever it was that was in front of me with doing the next right thing, the next right thing, not so I could get it done, but for just the joy of being on the path. That's what uh, took over for me, and that's where I am today. And so uh, I'm, I'm not looking to finish anything or get on the other side of it. Uh, I'm looking to continue to walk this path and uh, maintain kind of a sense of curiosity. I wonder where this is going. And I've learned to ask that, say, I'm not, I'm not afraid, I'm curious. So if I'm feeling afraid about something, I might say, oh, well, I wonder what it would feel like if I turned this around and said, well, instead of being afraid, why don't I try this on for size? I'm not afraid. I'm curious about what's going to happen. And and that's kind of how I approach things now. And I'm very curious. I, I pastor Unity of Augusta, and I have said to our community many times, I have no idea where all this is going. That doesn't mean that the community doesn't have a purpose. It does. It just means that, you know, I'm, I'm not the person that showed up with the grand plan that I can lay out on a chart and show you where you are in it and where you're going. I don't know. What I do know is how to walk this path. And so that's what I do each day, and that's what I teach. I think that's a great point because um, a piece of my understanding of faith is that if I already have a plan and know where it's going, I don't need faith. That's right. I love that. You know, I, I, yeah. I've already got the plan. So Absolutely. for me, faith is is a mystery of the unknown. It's walking into the unknown um, with confidence, um, with preparation, yeah. perhaps with with some practices to support that. And the thing I was thinking about when you talked about the fire walking is that is one way, one heck of a way to get yourself centered in the very moment. <laughs> is oh boy! To, Absolutely, yes. 
And so uh, yeah. I have kind of a loaded question for you. What do you do now? Because you can't go firewalking every time you might need to feel centered. Right. Um, what, do, what do you do now as a spiritual practice to help you get focused and get centered? Okay, so some, you know, th- those sort of bigger, what feel like groundbreaking experiences, uh, still remain in me, and I can sort of draw on that experience and on that energy without, like you're saying, without having to literally, um, you know, uh, light a fire and, and burn it down to coals and walk on it. I don't need to do that, uh, anymore in order to feel that same degree of faith and connection that I did because that practice taught me how to find it. Now I can find it in myself. And so if I uh, find myself in a time of, of change or discernment or if I'm, I want to try a new project or anything the, to kind of uh, take that next step, whatever it might be, uh, where I feel called, uh, whatever I feel called to do, um, I can take some quiet time alone and basically do uh, a kind of, it, for me, my experience of it is a bit of a combination of prayer and uh, mindfulness meditation, just bringing uh, my awareness to where I am in that exact moment. And by doing that, uh, I can touch that which previously took walking on fire to get in touch with, I now have a much uh, more accessible uh, means to touching the spirit within, if you will. And so in so some I ways, still love to do fire walking, but I, I, I have a prayer and meditation practice that keeps me um, in tune. So in some ways, the fire walking was another open door. Absolutely, it was. Yes. And you're absolutely right. I, I guarantee that um, if you, when you take that first step to walk on the coals, you are not thinking about your electric bill. You're not thinking about how much gas is in your car. You're not thinking about anything. You are fully present. And if you never knew what that felt like before, you will uh, by the end of the workshop. That's a, another very powerful aspect of it, that it can teach you how to pay attention to something at 100%. And I think your comment also about knowing what it feels like viscerally to actually have that experience, um, you know, because myself included, along with others, have a challenge in translating words that are ideas into actual experience. Yes. Yeah, I I, I think that's true, and and, um, I'm so grateful I think for me, just the way that I'm wired, because I'm very idea-oriented, um, you know, generally, if, I, if I'm going to get stuck, quote, stuck somewhere, it's going to be in my head. You know, I'm going to get stuck in thinking. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I think it was particularly helpful and maybe even necessary, I don't know if I'd use the word quite that strong, um, to have that kind of intense, physical, so non-mental, non-idea-oriented experience. Uh, in order to show me that side of, of of spirit and of life and of living, so that um, I can be more in balance, if you will, between my you know my thinking mind, my idea orientation, and and the experiential part of me, the part of me that that shows up um, at church as uh, just a presence. You know, a, a, a mm-hmm. knowing, a strong knowing, a strong faith of the mm-hmm. presence of God in and through and as all things. Um, you know, that's a big part of the uh, of the role in either in ministry or anyone who carries that experience. You know, it goes with you wherever you go. No, well, no, and that's part of carrying the message. Doing for a living, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. In, in the twelve step. Framework it absolutely is. You know, we 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 practice <clears throat> we practice the principles of the program. We follow the steps, and we have a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. And then we carry that experience forward, so that we can be the helper for whoever it is that needs help next. Just as people were there to be helpers when I was the one who needed help, I want to be sitting there when someone else comes in. Who needs help? 
Well, thank you, Dan, for this um, fascinating journey that you've been on and your willingness to <laughs> yeah. share it with with uh, our listeners and the way that you go about sharing it in the world today as well. Um, we know that nobody is really alone, and I'm hoping that other people may find themselves or something they can relate to in your story. And so we need to wrap up at this point. And so I want to say thank you to all our listeners for joining us today. And you can contact with our guest, uh, Dan Beckett, via his website at unityofaugusta.org. And listeners, you can contact us on Facebook page spirit of recovery or online via the um, email address spirit of recovery at unityonline.org we tra- we broadcast here every tuesday at 4 p.m central standard time and you can also find his the um, archived podcasts seven years worth of them on stitcher itunes on the web and with via alexa where you can listen at your convenience so Please join us next week. Um, we're going to have a, a rerun because Unity Media Network is installing a new broadcasting platform. And so we will be airing a previous show while the new equipment is being installed. And so you'll get to hear one of those uh, prior broadcasts um, if you tune in next week. And we'll rejoin the week after with a new guest. So thank you again, everybody that's listening in today. And have a blessed week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, the Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find. Never before in the history of humankind has change been so rapid. Jobs of yesterday are disappearing, and new careers are being discovered. Where competition once prevailed, there is now a pioneering spirit of cooperation and creativity. It has been said, real learning comes about when competition has ceased. When we release limiting ideas and fears, we are then free from a competitive living and the way is open for cooperation and harmonious living. By relaxing, letting go, and renewing your faith in positive and good outcomes in all affairs, you can make a harmonious difference in your ever-changing world. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. notice that there might be something not quite right, but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring, a restlessness, a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, 
Looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose? Join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.